Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. Free agency is upon us. Back in the studio, too. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Back in the saddle. In the Bet MGM studio, baby. Yeah, producer Matt. Sickoff, who happens to be our technical director, in our ears dropping that <laughs> bet MGM. Of Plug course, it we're going to drop the bet MGM out here. So, this is the deal the Jets have reportedly agreed to terms with Corey Davis, yep. the former Tennessee Titans wide receiver. We have Teron Davenport on this episode. He covers the Titans for ESPN NFL Nation. It's a great interview. You, you get all you need to know about Corey Davis. And how think- good is Teron Davenport? Because he really breaks down ball, and he loves it. Yeah, yeah. He he smiled the whole the whole interview. He smiled. You know that he loves talking to, talking about some ball, talking about some Titans and Corey Davis. This episode in particular. Yeah, and we talked in our free agency previews for weeks about the number of guys potentially who was going to hit the market, and at the top of the list, I know fans have talked about Allen Robinson and Chris Godwin. And, and it was a deep wide receiver group. And Corey Davis, I thought, for a little bit, went under the radar. And then when the Jets scooped him up and you did your background on him and you saw what kind of year he had, and then you go back and look at film and say, well, yeah, there's no wonder why the Jets were interested in him. And something that you pointed out is the LaFleur connection here. Mike LaFleur, um, the Jets offensive coordinator, Matt LaFleur, now the Green Bay Packers head coach, was in Tennessee in 2018 when Corey Davis had his second best season prior to 2020. And in 2018, on a sour note for the Jets, but I'm sure this is how a lot of Jets fans remember Corey Davis, the Jets in week 13 were winning for three and three quarters quarters, maybe even more than that, and they <laughs> lost 22-26 to 26 when Corey Davis caught a touchdown pass from Marcus Mariota you just with 11 seconds. That, huh? 20, you said they lost 22-26. to 26. Yes. You inversed it. Yeah. So, 26-22. Yeah, 26-22. Yeah. They lost 22-20. to 20. Oh, I, 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 On my screen, the Jets are on the left, the <laughs> Titans are on the right, so I read it left to right. So I, yeah. think, I think for the Jets, uh, for Jets fans, it was a forgettable season. And <laughs> it was, to be honest with you. I mean, look at their final record. Yeah. And that was one of those games where they controlled most of it, like you just pointed out. <laughs> yeah. where it, where we were there. We were there. It was, it was, I remember. Couldn't close the deal. Yeah, I remember, I think it was Leonard Williams after the game was like, this is a weird feeling. I don't know how to feel because it felt like we were winning the entire game and obviously we lost, so. Kind of mixed emotions But there, Corey obviously. Davis is going to help this team uh, win games in 2021 and beyond. And, uh, you know, I'm very interested to see uh, what the Jets now do, not only free agency, but, of course, the draft, because you've been working for months on this with Dane Brugler, the Athletics' Dane Brugler. This wide receiver class could even be better than last year. And they were talking about it as a historical class last year. So here we go this April again in the Jets' got themselves better at the position on the outside. Denzel Mims was a fine last year, and now you're going to pair him up with Corey Davis. And I like the physical uh, element that they can bring to the table. I'm going to say what I want to say about the Jets receivers room until after we hear from Tehran. But one note that I saw, I think Cynthia Freeland said it on NFL Network. It's a next-gen stat powered by AWS. And she said that only three receivers had more – 
yards off of play action plays than Corey Davis. And it was Stephon Diggs, Calvin Ridley, and DeAndre Hopkins. So good company. Good right. company. And, but I, I, the reason why I wanted to, to bring it up is because the Titans use a lot of play action, and that's something that the 49ers use a lot of yep. in San Francisco, obviously. And you would assume that there'd be a heavy incorporation of play action with Mike LaFleur in New York. Well, that's the Shanahan offense, and that is we're going to pound you with the zone running game, outside zone. Uh, sometimes you're going to go inside off of that, but a play action. You know, can we pound you with the running game, get after you, win in the trenches, and then we're going to go up the field. And these guys can win down the field in Mims because Mims and Davis are guys that even if they're not by you, they're still going to have the ability to get the ball just because they're wide bodies. Mm -hmm. They're stout. They're physical dudes, and they're not afraid to get in traffic. So enough from us. Let's hear from Teron Davenport on Corey Davis. Let's talk some shop. It is great to see you, Teron. I hope you and your family are doing well. NFL free agency is finally upon us. What were your initial thoughts when you heard former Titans receiver Corey Davis had agreed to terms with the New York Jets? Yeah, the first thing I thought of was just the way he worked through so much adversity last year. And I, I felt bad for him because he fell 16 yards short of his first 1,000-yard season. But I, I thought it was a tough move for the Titans. It's something that just kind of had to happen because of other things cap-wise. But I, I, the Jets are getting an awesome player. You know, I feel like Jets fans don't know a ton about Corey Davis, the player, outside of the fact that he was the number five overall pick in 2017. So how would you categorize his playing style? Yeah, I think his playing style is just, in one word, complete. He's a guy that runs excellent routes. He knows how to accelerate and decelerate really well. His releases are solid. If you go man coverage against him one-on-one, -on -one, he's going to eat you alive. And I think, you know, a good example of that is the Bengals game from this past year. He had William Jackson III on him man-on-man, -man, and he won frequently. You look at the game against Stephon Gilmore. If he stays with the Patriots, Back in 2018, he had an outstanding game against him also. So, for me, you know, when you ask about his game, I think of a guy who's solid through the catch point, gets what you call combat catches, a guy who could take over a game if you consistently give him targets. He's never going to complain about not getting enough targets, even though he wants them. <laughs> and then the other thing that is severely underrated is his ability to block in, in the running game. And you look at De uh, Derrick Henry highlights, most of them are going to have 84 flashing in the screen. In fact, look at his 99-yard touchdown run. It was so bad, Henry almost stiff-armed Corey Davis, and we joked about that. <laughs> but that's just a, an example of, of how much he is in the mix on, on running plays. Uh, Teron, you break down the game so well. How much do you love his physicality? Because you just touched upon that a little bit. Uh, because – when he came out of Western Michigan, people didn't know. They knew he was fast, but they didn't get an opportunity to actually get his time speed. So it seems like he's got a nice combination of big dude who gets after it, but he can run as well. Yeah, I'll say this, and this is not saying like comparing games, like, like as far as like the success that he'll have. But I remember watching 
Western Michigan in the Bahamas Bowl, and he caught a hitch, and he turned and and he ran and he broke a tackle, and it reminded me of Terrell Owens, mm. you know. But uh, the physicality is is there. He's a guy that you can have run the slants. He's going to break tackles. You can have him run the digs. He's never afraid of contact. So it's it's definitely something that that really stands out. I just love the way he attacks the football also. And he's one of those players. He's a groove guy. When you get him in a groove and you go to him consistently, the results are going to follow. And uh, I I go back to that Gilmore game from 2018. The third play, you know, a deep over for 40 yards. And he had over 140 against the Patriots that day. That guy, is he's he's a solid player. Teron, I think some – fans out there their natural reaction is your report is so glowing why would the titans let this guy out of their grasp so can you talk about that a little bit yeah for sure i think the one thing with Corey davis and i touched on it you know with him falling 16 yards short of of a thousand yards the one thing if there's anything that that is a question mark is the consistency sometimes when he's not getting the targets he won't complain but you'll see him not be involved with the game as far as like being a guy that that you know his only con- contribution will be running uh you know when they're running the ball he's blocking I, I think consistency is a big thing you look down the stretch last year you know he was on on pace to have a thousand yards but there were a couple of donuts and I I get it because this was a time where he was dealing with the loss of his his older brother Titus you know who had um cancer complications uh, pancreatic cancer complications so you you know that's or excuse me kidney complications um but it, it's it's a tough situation you know trying to place you that he did but that's where some of the inconsistencies show last year and you look over his career there have been some inconsistencies as well speaking of that how much do you do you think it's going to mean to Corey actually playing for the New York Jets because his brother Titus did have a couple stints here on the practice squad and now He's coming up here, joining an organization where his brother played for a short time. Yeah, I think that would be an excellent question to ask him because in, in talking to him, you know, his brother Titus was, you know, like like his idol. Like He strived to be like Titus. So that's something that, that definitely I'm sure, you know, he has that in mind and, and it makes being where he is much more meaningful just because of the that – connection that correlation to his brother when you look at Corey davis's stats since entering the league in 2017 majority speaking they seem to be trending upwards do you think that the jets are buying per se at a good time and you think that there's still a lot of untapped potential that the jets and michael floor the offensive coordinator can untap oh absolutely i I think they are buying and it's funny you mentioned michael floor the the oc his brother, Matt LaFleur, was the OC with the Titans in 2018. And, and Davis, before Derrick Henry went crazy in December, he was trending towards a 1,000-yard season. So I, I think you're, you're getting a guy who definitely there's a lot of untapped potential. And I, I think when you have a player like Davis, you have to go to him consistently, give him targets. And when you give him targets, he has produced. Go back and look at the numbers, you know, he gets those those targets. That Bengals game, you know, he was targeted, I, I think, 12 or, or, or 14 times. He caught 11 of them. So we're talking about a guy who was definitely able to produce when given the opportunity. Now, coming to the Jets, I would imagine he would be the number one or, or, or 1A to Denzel Mims as the 1B. Who knows? But 
I think he's going to get targets and excel. Do you get caught up in numbers when you think of receivers? Because I know a lot of people at home always say, is he a number one receiver? Is he a number two receiver? And you just mentioned the combination now potentially in the outside with the Jets. Denzel Mims did some very good things his rookie season. And what I like from a Jets perspective is we've talked about it. These are big-bodied guys with good catch radiuses. Six foot three, six foot three, willing blockers and guys who can get the contested football. So I, I don't know if we should be worried about his ceiling just as long as he continues to improve, right? Yeah, I, I don't think there should be concern about his ceiling, and he will continue to improve. And I think the, the biggest aspect is just the fact that if you give him targets, he's going to deliver. The only times he was inconsistent is when he didn't get targeted enough. And I, I, I really, uh, looking at that, uh, you mentioned the size. He plays with, with physicality. He's someone, as I mentioned, running slants, running uh, deep in-breaking routes. He uses that big body to ward off cornerbacks and, and make the catch. So that's going to be reliable for Sam Darnold or whoever is the quarterback there when the Jets open up the season. Yeah. Teron, can you tell us a little bit more about Corey Davis's story coming out of Western Michigan? Because there's tremendous insight you know, to – Corey Davis, the person online, but speaking to Corey and your time with the Titans and his time with the Titans, what kind of person is Corey Davis and how did his upbringing shape him? Yeah, well, i tell you one thing. You're not going to find a player that works harder than him. I remember watching him, you know, before practice coming out, loosening up, uh, catching passes, and then after practice on the jugs machine, that's something he did consistently, working throughout practice with Receiver coach Rob Moore, a former Jet, uh, they're very close, and, and they did a lot on, on different things as far as releases, catching through contact, just everything, a very very detailed with, with the stuff that they do. And jumping off of that, culture fit, Joe Douglas has emphasized that as he continues to try to build this roster, a new coaching staff, of course. Uh, how was Corey inside the locker room? The well, way you've talked about him for some time now, and we've read your work as well. If you've you've always come across impressed, and it seems like his teammates have enjoyed being around him as well. Yeah, u- uber talented. Uh, that's the way I describe him. But within the locker room, it was great. You know, he and, and the other receivers got along well. He was looked upon as as the you know the guy in the in the locker room as far as receivers are concerned. He embraced the the whole process of A.J. Brown coming in and, and kind of working into the fellow guy. I, I think that was something that was impressive because, again, you never saw him pop. And I used to go to him sometimes and just be like, you know, Corey, you, you got to demand the football, man. Why aren't you demanding the football? And he always would say he didn't want to come across as a diva. So I told him this story. Uh, Jerry Rice, you, you know, the game where T.O. set the record for most receptions, they were winning that game. And Jerry Rice on that same sideline was throwing temper tantrums and having a fit. And I turned to him and I said, Corey, would you consider Jerry Rice a diva? And he said, no. And he kind of laughed at that. <laughs> but he, he's a guy that uh, I, I'm telling you, there, there's a lot of positive with him. You know, if if they could find a way to get him targeted and, and you know, go to him and, and give him the touches that he needs. He's going to be productive. But the thing that I thought was really awesome about him, even within that locker room, is he never complained about not getting those touches, although he understood his role. And even though he was the number five pick in, in the draft, you know, when he came out, 
he wasn't a guy that was featured, and there was never a, a complaint about that. Teron, my last question to you is you mentioned the Matt LaFleur system in Tennessee in 2018. We've obviously never seen Mike LaFleur call a game before. A lot of people think that it's going to be a Shanahan type scheme. So in 2018, can you talk about Corey Davis's role in that system, which could perhaps shed light on what he'll do here in New York? Yeah, absolutely. He was the number one guy in that system. And I, I talked about the Patriots game. You could go back and look at the Eagles game as well. I mean, everything on the line, you know, it's, it's, it's late in the game. It's, it's a situation, do or die. Marcus Mariota saw Corey Davis in the slot, threw the ball up to him, and he went up and caught it, and they won that game. That's an example of what you could get from him. When asked to be the guy, he could be that guy. It's just a matter of giving him the opportunity to do that. And I think, you know, if you just watch that game uh, against the Eagles, or you, you watch a lot of games uh, when he was with Mike LaFleur, the thing that always stood out to me was he moved across the formation. You saw him work at X, you saw him work at Z. As I mentioned against the Eagles, he did some work in the slot, and he was productive in all ways. And it goes back to what I said about the work on his releases. He could be on the ball and he'll win that way. He can win in the middle of the field. You can even run reverses with him too. So, Yeah, and the thing that I like about this system potentially, we saw that a lot with the Titans, as you know, is that physical run game set up passes down the field, vertical passes, because I think – People think in terms of the Shanahan system, sometimes it's a West Coast offense. It's not a West Coast offense. They'll use that run game and then go play action and go up top, and Corey Davis can go get it. Yeah, and the nuance with the route running, he's able to sell routes. There was, I want to say against the Lions, they went play action, and he ran the deep in-breaking route. He planted and stuck back to the outside. The safety turned to the post. He ran the corner, and it was a 70-plus-yard touchdown. So the big playability is there. Great stuff from Teron Davenport, and I do want to bring up something that not only Teron said, but something that we've discussed in the past. Corey Davis, he said that his blocking is touted. Well, Denzel Mims, he was also touted for his blocking, and Denzel Mims takes pride in blocking. And in a system like the Shanahan system where – the run in the past mirror each other. I mean, we spoke to Matt Mayoko a couple weeks ago, and he was saying that there were run plays that are designed to look like run plays in the first couple seconds, and then it's a pass play and vice versa. And having two wide receivers that can both go up and get the ball and block, it's only going to behoove what the Jets are trying to do. Yeah, and Davis, you mentioned at the top of the podcast here, the former Number five, overall, number five overall pick in the 2017 draft in four seasons with the Titans, 207 receptions, nearly 3,000 yards receiving, 28-51, 11 touchdowns. But last year was really the breakout where he nearly had 1,000 yards receiving playing across the way from A.J. Brown. But this guy is uber-talented. But these are complete football players, and he is another culture addition because – Teron Davenport touched upon that. He was looked upon highly inside that Titans locker room. And, in fact, it's interesting when you hear somebody talk about a receiver nowadays and say, he's kind of unselfish. And (laughs) Teron bring up the anecdote of, hey, Jerry Rice wanted the ball more even when they were winning. So, um, But he's a guy who – 
It, you look at a number of the targets here early in free agency for the Jets, it's, it seems like they all have a couple things in common. They're young, they're ascending, and also they're good players on the field who've been productive, but they're also good fits inside whatever building they're in. And when you look at what the Jets receivers room now looks like, we've been focusing on Davis and Mims. Also, just one quick note, Denzel Mims, I think we forget that he ran a sub 4 440 right. at the combine because he had the hamstring injuries. Can you ask last Burgler season? this? Can sure. Ask him what he thought Davis would have run coming out of Western Michigan. Okay. Yeah. I will ask. Since we will never yeah, have no, that. no one knows. Yeah. I mean, his highlights look like he's extremely fast, yeah. but he's also playing at Western Michigan, not the same level of competition as someone let's say in the SEC mm -hmm. but you know I, I will say when you look at the Jets landscape at receiver now with Mims Davis Jamison Crowder I mean the Jets could also add somebody through the draft or through free agency if they decide to but if you were to line up tomorrow or even tonight Corey Davis Denzel Mims Jamison Crowder that's a pretty good starting formation in the NFL I'd agree with that, and I also brought uh, Vincent Smith back. That, that kind of went under the radar here in free agency. He's another sub-4-4 four, mm -hmm. four guy. He's got a uh, good size, but it, it, it's a young group, too, because Mims, of course, he's entering his second professional season, his first professional offseason, and he's going to have physical gains, you would think, because he's going to benefit from having – a strength program, an NFL strength program for the first time in his career. And then Corey Davis comes into the equation as well. So they definitely got better at the wide receiver position, and they'll have more opportunities to get better at the wide receiver position too because that draft this year, uh, there's no telling what any of these teams could do because so many of the receivers could go off the board in the top two, in two to three rounds again. Yeah, it is a deep receiver class. And I think that's why there have been some reports that some free agent wide receivers that are still out there are it's a little bit of a slow moving pace because I think a lot of players thought or a lot of people thought the Kenny Galladay's of the world, Juju Smith Schuster, yeah. they'd be snatched up quickly. That's not been the case. And don't kill us because we're recording. They have not signed. They have not agreed to terms. It's as March seventeenth at five forty five in the evening. They still don't have a home. So if this gets posted afterwards, it's not our fault. The other thing about Davis, that, uh, and you're right about all that, that, that I was just <laughs> thinking about is that sometimes you think about guys who are big bodies and, and, and then you say, well, they're not necessarily good route runners. The book on Corey Davis is he's a very good route runner. So that's sometimes uncommon with the bigger receiver. I agree with that. And, you know, we'll continue to break down all the – reported free agent acquisitions or and the signings when they become official all right here on the official jets podcast powered by amazon web services